From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 688, Bandwidth in the Pandemic, with guest Cameron Fuller. Recorded Thursday, April 16th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio. This is part of our special pandemic series. And today my guest is Cameron Fuller, who is a System Center MVP for Cloud and Data Center Management. And Cameron is the Director of Automated Solutions for Catapult Systems, and he has over 25 years of infrastructure experience focused on management, monitoring, and automation. Cameron co-authored several System Center books and maintains a highly technical blog. And you can find Cameron as a speaker at conferences like Experts Live and the Midwest Management Summit, although I presume all virtual conference these days. Interesting note on that one. They're actually still scheduled it as a physical conference. Oh, they wow. delayed it, but currently still scheduled as a physical conference. For the fall, I presume? Uh, I think we're July at this point in time. I love their optimism. Yeah, they've got some solid optimism. I'm hoping they're right, man. I'm very yeah. much hoping they're right. How are you and your family under the circumstances? We're, we're doing all right in the scheme of things. It, it's interesting how much this stuff changes your life. I mean, so I've got Three living in the household at this point in time, mm-hmm. including one that uh, rolled back from college when they closed his dorms. Right. Uh, and I got two in the house that are uh, showing potential symptoms of coronavirus. Oh, my. But, yeah. It, but not not at a stage where they're uh, specifically listed to have testing yet. So they've just got some of the symptoms. So we're just kind of keeping a close eye on things. And I'm kind of babysitting. I'm the I'm the one not sick person in the household right now. That's uh, that's a, an interesting scene. I'm glad you're there. And. You know, I hope everybody turns out well. I mean, it's obviously, the vast majority of cases are not dramatic uh, and don't require even hospitalization. But uh, there's always the exception. So let's hope your your family's the exception, friend. Very much appreciated. And how about you and yours? You all doing okay? Everybody's okay up here in Canada. You know, British Columbia got on it really early, and so our hospitals are are kind of quiet right now. Like they're talking about reopening elective surgeries. And of course, this is super time sensitive, right? So we're recording this middle of April to be coming out in May. So who knows what the next few weeks are going to look like between recording and publication. But, you know, we seem all right. And my family's fine. I had one daughter moved out uh, on her own with her fiance the month before the shutdown. So they are suddenly, it's like, welcome to your new apartment. Now you can't leave it. Oh, wow. <laughs> but they've had to postpone the wedding a year just to, just because people are going to be traveling from all over and we want everybody to be able to come and to, yeah, how do you have a wedding without a hug and a kiss? You know? Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely correct. The best thing you can do at that point in time is just postpone and wait for the best. Yeah. And, and let's face it, it those, those two, I don't doubt will be fine through this. Uh, waiting a year is not a big deal. Uh, they they were always willing to challenge their relationship. They car camped across Canada. They backpacked across Europe. Like they'd done some hard things. I think you know going through this in their apartment together and uh, uh, and p- postponing certain plans for a year. I think they'll be fine, if not stronger. They both got good jobs. They both work for government. Ah. Both self employed parents, government uh, government workers. So they're they're both busy as, as heck. 
Uh, but that's not the subject today. And I, I just appreciate catching up a little bit with folks, make sure we know how everybody's doing. Cause I, you know, I, I see the mix. Some folks, the world's blown apart and some folks are just, there's so much to do. And I think in IT, we're all crazy busy. Yeah, I would concur with that. I mean, the, what, what we have found in essence is that not only are we needing to do the jobs that we would normally do, um, but we're also basically becoming in-house technical support for whatever else needs to be addressed as people move back in and all that type of stuff. I have heated up my soldering iron for the first time, I swear, in three or four years to repair things because replacing them is harder to do right now, uh, which is funny. But uh, certainly the whole work from home movement has meant every IT guy I talk to, uh, anybody with the – there's been a few layoffs like, no, no, I'm laid off. I'm like, that's interesting. But, you know, the, the, on, on run as I put up sort of jokes on Friday and it's always been like the one person still going to the office is the IT person. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the figuring out who's got a good work from home solution and who doesn't. And, uh, and how well it functioning has been a real battle for a lot of folks. Yeah. And it's kind of, a, it's kind of interesting because some of us like lucked into it and, and we're in good shape for it. Like mm-hmm. I work for a consulting organization that, uh, our nature for the last few years has been primarily work from home. Right. And we still, we still have some folks that go on client site, but our, our ability to shift and adapt was, was very simple. Um, versus the other side of the equation, my wife actually does uh, some teaching and tutoring, and uh, they basically just said, um, "Y'all are still teaching. You're still teaching, um, but you can't come here anymore, and you'll have to figure it out." Right. So, so they didn't know, even give a lot of guidance for that matter. Just sort of like work this out. Here's the app you should be using. Yeah, small small organization, so they really didn't even have that type of suggestion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not a very technological organization. It's a small co-op, so they really didn't have the type of, of resources that they needed to even make a recommendation they just basically said you know you got to figure it out and and they all did that's right amazing and just having folks that have decent decent do you have a desk you know if you've never worked from home before you've probably never built a space for you to work exactly as the irony would have it as a matter of fact where i'm sitting right now is actually my uh my home office area Mm -hmm. which i have been vacating the last uh several weeks now uh because my wife actually has had more need of it than i have because i can work on a laptop pretty much anywhere but she needs multiple monitors and good hardwired connectivity and everything else so yeah i literally moved her into my uh my home office yeah I, i had a conversation with a friend of mine who's like as soon as this is over i'm working from office all the time again and like why why would you do that it's just like my office is in the hallway (laughs) and i have a three-year-old although i'm also seeing that people not only people are not only being patient about children and pets in streams and things but are delighted by them i think i think this need for professionalism around a lot of this stuff has cooled down they're just like no we're all embracing the life that we're leading right now Exactly. And it's really funny because I haven't been able to come up with a term for this yet. So I'll explain the situation. But Mm -hmm. I was leading a conference call and my dog went into the backyard and she saw something dangerous, probably a child knowing my dog. And she starts barking and barking. Well, that sets off the other people's dogs that are currently on the call. (laughs) Oh, the remote dogs start barking. The the remote dogs. So we started a whole remote bark session just off of mine because mine wasn't muted because I was speaking at the time. Right. And it just lit up all the different dogs. There's got to be a term for it. I just don't know what it would actually be called. I like like remote bark cascade. That's good. Ooh, that's good. I may steal that remote bark cascade. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll credit you on that one. That's a good one. 
You think about, you know, Ethernet storms, right? When you get around 80%, you start getting more fails, right? You get that sort of cascading failure where, it, you know, the network actually moved more data at 75% load than it moves at 80% because the collision rate starts to climb. Mm -hmm. It's a cascade. Yeah. <laughs> That's randomly geeky. I like it. Yeah. How are you helping customers? What's the new requests you're getting? Uh, so for us, it's a lot in the on the infrastructure space. We see a lot of um, obviously work from home type questions uh, became very prevalent. You know, lots of mm -hmm. lot, you know since we're Microsoft focused, lots of focus on Teams and things of that nature. Right. Uh, lots of focus on uh, Windows Virtual Desktop (WVD). You know, helping people that didn't have those systems at home and things of that nature. So that's where most of the push has been so far from the customers that I've been seeing, at least. So virtual desktop in that you still use the computer that's in the office. You're just using it from home. Um, WBD in this case being setting up virtual machines that are running in Azure. Right. That allow you to not have to, in essence, manage and maintain that that device at home. Because I got a lot of, you know, I talked to one of the customers as an example that they they couldn't order hardware. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, because hardware is so far behind at this point in time. And they, they were literally without WBD as an example. Their next best option was we're going to take all the desktops and we're going to let people come to the office on a scheduled time frame and go home with their desktops. Yeah, I, I've talked to a few offices that did exactly that, where the personal there because they didn't normally work from home. They didn't have personal computers that could be on the network and were not of caliber to be so. So they actually started dismantling the office and took home, it took the office machines to their homes. Yeah. So you, you do what you got to do at that point. Yeah, but with something sure. like a WVD, as long as you got something that's a device, you can pretty much connect up and work off of a standard company resource, just running it in Azure in essence. You know, I think that's a whole show on its own, just talking about all these virtualization solutions. I, over and over again, during this crisis, I'm seeing this common theme of these are all technologies we looked at, maybe did a played with a bit, did a trial and have never gone any further with it. And suddenly we need it. Yeah, this has been the big force around digital transformation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's comics about it, you know, and the rest, but it is. I mean, people were having to change their entire way of doing business to be able to survive. And it's painful for some, but for others, I think it, it's going to be very interesting to see now that we've proved that most of these companies can work 100% remote. Right. I think a lot of a lot of people are going to push back against this idea that they need to go back on the office on a day-by-day -day basis. Yeah, I think they, I can't argue with you there. If you have, and again, it's like, because we're professional work from homers, if you have the space and you have the equipment and you have the bandwidth, mm -hmm. I think about just how much internet I put into my office because I live here, you know, when I'm working from home, we consume a ton of bandwidth. Most people are provisioned for Netflix. I don't know that they're provisioned for even virtual desktop. Yeah, that that actually has been one of the interesting challenges in, in the homes, you know, here is because if we look at a day, you know, a daily basis, we've got me running conference calls, we've got my wife teaching classes mm -hmm. in this case and on Teams or Skype or or Zoom, and then we've got, you know, my son who's taking classes online. All three of us are competing for bandwidth, plus I'm, I'm sure there's some video games in there and the rest and everything. So, you know, it, bandwidth has definitely been one of the things that we've had to focus on and, and kind of, you know, revisit, uh, as well as, uh, bluntly put, uh, backup Internet connectivity, because we are now so dependent upon our Internet connection. You know, you don't get the option to, I'm going to go down to Starbucks and work this afternoon. That's not <laughs> a play anymore. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. Although the Starbucks is there. I often wonder if people sitting outside in masks you know, held around the outside of the building just because they got some bandwidth because the 
something's gone wrong at home. Yeah. I mean, you need, you need to come up with, you know, some way to be able to get connectivity if you're going to be able to continue to work. So, so I've been, I've been doing some, you know, out of, out of practicality here, as well as kind of sharing with others, you know, what I've seen out there, but I've, I've been doing some blogging around the topic and, you know, how you can effectively, you know, obviously your cell phone works as a great tether. Um, and there's really simple ways to be able to do that, but there's, there's some really cool stuff. You know, I think one of the big pieces that I've learned out of this is that my home router has become my BFF during this entire thing. Yeah. And beefing that thing up is probably not a bad idea if you can get one because there's certain products like webcams and things, they just sold out everywhere. Absolutely. I mean, I was lucky enough that I had good gear to begin with, but you know, we, we focused on, uh, you know, hooking up a cell phone, uh, via USB tether to be able to provide a backup router or a backup internet connection and things like that. That was one of the first things on the roster. Uh, putting uh, quality of service in place and prioritizing traffic so that uh, so that video and voice is is all you know the higher priority items and gaming and stuff like that is towards the bottom. You know a lot of that has been making some differences. You know so that we're not competing with each other for the required bandwidth. What's providing the QoS service? Is that part of the router? Yeah, in my case, it's actually part of the router. So right. I had a pretty good pretty good system that was uh, hooked up before all this happened. Um, so QoS outside of a, a good router is probably a little bit more challenging. I'm just thinking about if I'm an IT pro, I'm working down that stack of problems that I didn't need to deal with before around this pandemic to get to the point where I'm able to help individual employees shape their traffic would be a heck of a milestone, right? To actually be able to help everybody's router get a little better configured. You don't yeah, know I mean, that. it would be a really nice step forward if companies are able to take it to that level to actually be able to help to, you know, to that level of depth. Uh, so as an example, in our company, we're going to do a meeting and we're, one of the things I'm going to go through is the, the the pieces that I've learned in essence on this as a, as a general communication to all of our employees in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, how can you how can you bullet, more bulletproof your network and connectivity? How can you, you know, apply QS and things of that nature? Yeah. But you're right. I mean, if IT organizations could actually help with that on a per user basis, it would be quite an extreme to see the benefits that could be provided. Well, in the you know, you said a very broad statement earlier on here about, I think we're going to find, you know, folks that are working from home are 100% productive. And I don't think they are. I think there's some percent productive. And hopefully it's good enough and can be, but part of our job in IT is to get them closer to that 100% mark, maybe even more productive. Because they do have more control over things and they can shape those problems. Yeah, I mean, I think, for, you know, but both of us being work from home people, we see it very much from this perspective that I believe it is very possible to be 100% uh, effective, if not more so, um, working remote as opposed to working from the office because you're not having to do the commute time. Yes. You have increased flexibility in the rest. I mean, it opens up more of your day. Um, I would think during the circumstances that we're in right now, the bigger drain on productivity is probably not at this point the the work from home piece. It's the dealing with everything else that you need to deal with during living through a pandemic sure. piece. Which doesn't matter whether we could go to the office or not. That is going to be a drain. We have family members that are in trouble. We have a, a neighborhoods that are struggling. There's lots of things we have to deal with outside of work. So there's only going to be so many cycles for work. Yeah, I concur. I mean, as an example, you know, I'm, you know, at least here, you know, we try to schedule things like trip to the grocery store and the rest at time frames that it's not going to be incredibly busy. Yeah. Well, flexibility of work hours works really well for that. Helps you know, being able to that. go at a time frame that it's off hours and work other hours. And I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Don't panic. You don't have to spin up or add to your VPN to get real Windows 10 management to your remote work computers. 
With Policy Pack and Internet Connection, you already have all you need. If you use Group Policy, have an MDM service like Intune, or even no infrastructure at all, Policy Pack has you covered to handle the real remote work challenges you have right now for Windows 10. With Policy Pack MDM or Policy Pack Cloud, you get the power to manage applications and browsers on Windows 10, overcome application UAC prompts, block unknown where, dynamically configure the Windows 10 start screen, taskbar, and file associations. As a bonus, you can use Policy Pack to deliver any real on-prem group policy and group policy preferences settings to your remote work machines for the security and configuration they need. Learn how thousands of other admins enhance the remote work scenarios. Come to policypack.com slash remote work to learn more. That's policypack.com slash remote work. Policy Pack, securing your standards. Listeners to this podcast are eligible to win a free copy of the Cybex Wiley book entitled MDM Fundamentals Security and the Modern Desktop using Intune Autopilot and Azure to manage, deploy, and secure Windows 10 by Jeremy Moskowitz, Enterprise Mobility MVP. Simply pick Run As Radio in the drop down when you visit policypack.com slash remote work. Good luck, and we hope you win. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell. This is Run As Radio. Here's my friend Cameron Fuller. We're talking a little bit about in this pandemic story of the things we can do for work for home folks around bandwidth, connectivity. I mean, right from the outset, isn't it? Let's just open up the pipes, like call the ISPs. Can we get more bandwidth into homes? How do you feel about the employer actually paying for that even or providing my five points or changing cell plans to give more, uh, you know, more data so they can use tethering without more cost to them? It's an interesting question. I mean, I would think uh, specifically for, for employees that don't have any form of connectivity, things like a MiFi and the rest is a reasonable expectation sure. um, so that they're able to function. I think you'll get to a point of diminishing returns in essence, you know, in terms of you know, should, should employees be paying for home internet connectivity and things of that nature. I could see some benefit to it, but I yeah. can also see that there would be a lot of overhead and, and a lot of uh, a lot of cost associated with that for for companies that you know. While there are many many companies out that are just going gangbusters through this, a lot of other companies are struggling, and and anything that can impact the bottom line like that would probably be deferred or or avoided if possible. Yeah, I can I could see that going either way, but it's, it's also I mean part of as an IT person helping each member working from home be productive is are we bandwidth constrained are we network traffic constrained because everybody's watching a netflix or you know consuming bandwidth in a variety of ways these are all things you could do to help them uh, be productive yeah i think it's a really good idea and it's one that i haven't really heard anybody expressing yet in terms of mm-hmm. where we could be taking this as we're as we're moving our way through and evolving in this whole work from home type process well am i again if you if you've got an, a workforce that is inexperienced at working from home and they only have so much quality of space they have probably not set up a significant network at home you know it's going to be the most basic configurations possible so the fact that a professional could spend a little time in there and, and do some tweaks, you know, hopefully remotely, uh, could make a big difference for them. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that could make a whole lot of difference. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting aspect of it. Uh, I've certainly talked to a number of folks who are increasing the WAN bandwidth and the VPN services on the back end so the office can actually take the significant increase in remote workers. Yeah, and there's been a lot of discussions around things like split tunneling your v- uh, VPN so that you're not routing all of your traffic through the VPN to mm-hmm. try to extend their capabilities so that they're not having to deal with quite as much traffic. And transitioning to the cloud on some things. So let's not, you know, do our file transfers with VPN. Let's do it on OneDrive. Mm-hmm. 
which yeah, these are all these are all things we were working on slowly and suddenly need to do it quickly. Yeah, it has definitely changed a lot of our priorities in, in terms of things that uh, the things that would have not hit the list this in 2020 have definitely hit the list in 2020. Yeah, they've, they've a new set of priorities. Once you get over the initial firefight, which I feel like folks are starting to get there now, that they're up, people are, are somewhat productive or able to do some things. And now how do we optimize this? How do we get better uh, over uh, beyond just the basics of we're, we're running? We can do more. Yeah. What what seems to be the weakness at this point in time is that it looks like not too many companies are hiring, at least in terms of, you know, technology and things of that nature. I mean, we're yeah. seeing obviously Amazon staffing up and Walmart staffing up and other, you know, and grocery stores and things like that that just need people. Um, but like I've got colleagues out there that have been, you know, that were both, you know, a couple, both of them were looking for employment before this started. And as soon as this hit, they were one of the first people I thought of as like, oh my gosh, it's going to be almost impossible to get a job now during this. Yeah. Yeah, I doubt. I, and I think we're still in the holding breath phase, you know, no pun intended, where mm-hmm. companies are, are just like, we don't know what this looks like. But as the month grinds on, and if these lockdowns continue, you know, this isn't just abruptly end and everything goes back, quote unquote, back to normal, we need to keep improving. There, there's things we can continue to do to to make systems work better. Uh, onto these environments. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see kind of how that works out as it makes its way through it as the, as our cultures begin to evolve and figure out, you know, things like what can we be doing differently and, you know, things that we can be doing differently from a hiring perspective as well. Mm-hmm. I think there, there are ways to do this. We just have to change our normal mindset. You know, we, we in our organization and we meet every employee. You know, in person, that's part of our process. For them. Right. So that, that may have to change. I, I'm, I'm obviously you're spending a lot more time on various virtual services. I've been encouraging one on one calls with folks uh, th- through those remote services that are less formal, like just, hey, don't ha- necessarily have an agenda. Have a cup of coffee. I like that. Yeah. The co- coffee break via Zoom or via Skype or Teams. Like, I, you know, the other thing I've noticed, People are quick to use video now. Yeah, it has become much more prevalent at this point in time. Mm-hmm. I even heard a uh, an interesting one just recently, and it, this came from multiple different sources in terms of how you change things up. But uh, uh, they were talking about actually scheduling a virtual lunch. Uh, so you basically just uh, have the various different people that, that you want in your meeting. Uh, you let them order their own food. They send you over the receipts for what they got. Right. You schedule a, a, you know, a video conferencing meeting, and it's just a sit down just like you would normally do over a lunch meeting, in essence. Sure. Um, the only trick is keep the microphone far enough away from you that there's not a whole lot of eating noises. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the daughter that just moved out, we did a virtual dinner with her and her fiance the other day for exactly that. It's like they, they had just set up their place and we're all set to have us over for dinner. And it's just like, can't, but let's have dinner together anyway. But I do think the idea of team meetings over lunch, the way we normally would, just we all happen to be in our respective places and using cameras to connect. It's a, it's a valid part of this whole process. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that's really changed a lot. I mean, as an example, I've, I still have one daughter who's at school at this point in time. And, uh, so we, we Skype with her every night. Mm-hmm. So we get a chance to see how she's doing and everything. And, and it's kind of opened up that communication more so than even before this whole thing started. Yeah. The water cooler talk is missing. 
I mean, there are casual communications is the part because every time you involve technology, it adds a level of formality. Yeah. And so you've got to try and diminish that formality as much as possible, but still have and still, you know, be able to communicate with it. Yeah. We, we had a lot of fun with it early on as an example. So we have a group and there's six couples that we get together on a regular basis that we can't during this whole deal. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I started early on with was trying to figure out the technology for how could we do a, a virtual game night and virtual event nights and all that type of stuff. So we, We've had a pretty good, pretty good round of luck with that so far, and had a really good time. Yeah, it makes me wonder if we couldn't do virtual lunch and learns, like some of those sort of team building and connecting exercises that are part of uh, part of what ha- what healthy work looks like. Just figuring out how to do them entirely virtually as well. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one to see. I mean, I've heard some of you know the the event type structures and things of that nature. You know, a lot of those have moved to a virtual, um, and I've seen some of the beginnings of that on the training side of stuff as well. You know, uh, single day events and things of that nature. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see where the, where it will evolve and change during the next few weeks. Yeah. So I've definitely been involved with a number of virtual event things lately, and we're starting to shift the way we think about stuff. And it has more to do with this work from home scenario than ever before, which is like, you shouldn't be on too rigid a schedule. You know, when we're in a physical conference, you only have the venue for so long. It costs money to have that venue. So you're, you know, you're packing your schedule pretty tightly and meal times are specifically set. And, and so when you go totally virtual, suddenly that's not as important. Can we repeat stuff more and, and shift the schedule around more and appeal to a wider range of time zones? It's, it's interesting to think about the differences when you're working virtually. Yeah, we had a we had a big shift on that. They one of the first conferences that I was aware of, at least, that had been changed to virtual was the MVP Summit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they changed that up to completely virtual from a physical, and and they did it really quickly. So huge kudos to the folks that made that happen. Um, and and I think they did a good job with it. Uh, there was great, tra- you know, great training in it and the rest. Uh, they did some of what you're talking about there in terms of time zone. Um, so they built out schedules. So it was like a morning schedule and then a later schedule to be able to try to adjust to where people would be in various different time zones. Um, so I think they proved that you can do that type of event, which is, I think, why they put, you know, build and ignite and all those other things they're saying are going virtual. But the water cooler talk the ability to socialize and, the hallway and hang with your people, it, it's yeah. all gone. You, you just can't put that back together. Yeah, I, I guess I wonder if there's a way we can rebuild the hallway track. And and certainly, you know, the water cooler talk, like we're, all these different work scenarios. These things are actually important. And they're, they're what a lot of people value. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some some beginning attempts at it, and they did do some beginning attempts. They did a virtual, uh, basically a virtual bar. I'm going to call it for they, they called it something different, but people, you know, MVPs from all around the world just kind of hanging out, having a beer after the day was over, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I attended a little bit of that. It's just it's 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 very different when you're you know in person versus when you're you're online. And and they've done some good social science on this as well. That it is much more draining for people to do the online video on a, on a daily basis. There's psychological reasons behind it. Why it's, it's, it's much more difficult for people to go that long as they can do a lot more of that. If you're physically sitting there in person. Yeah. Without a doubt. These are, these are narrower straws of communication than being in person. And, and Mm -hmm. so, you know, the same, I think, I think about drinking a milkshake and how you get that ache in your jaw. If you pull too hard, uh, 
it's the same kind of thing. You you are trying to communicate through a narrow straw and it takes more energy to do it. Yeah. And you can't read a lot of the the nonverbals and things of that nature. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of that's a lot of where this comes from is that, you know, even if you have a video set, um, the, the, the and one of the things I heard recently, which I thought was very interesting, is you know, they recommended don't use the fake backgrounds. Right. Which are kind of all the rage at this point in time yeah. because it actually stresses people out subliminally. They're subconsciously, they're stressed out by the fact that something is just not quite right because yeah. it's not a hundred percent. It's that, un, you know, we're already dealing with the uncanny valley and you're making more uncanny valley. Exactly. So yeah, better to, to, to minimize that and real, real life is as much real life as we can get on, in these circumstances is more valuable. Exactly. And that's kind of what the general, that's what the general, you know, gist of it was in essence, you know, the, they, they talked about that. They talked about, you know, with the small straws that you're talking about, how we have to communicate differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they even said as an example, in email communications, start using emojis. You know, because people are, you lose that connection with people if you can't physically be with them. Yeah. So you have to find some way to express the emotional piece of what you're trying to communicate. And, and obviously, from a business perspective, we don't look at it as emojis being, oh, that's professional. Um, but it helps to communicate the emotional aspect of what you're trying to say, because people can read an email and become very offended if they don't understand the tone that you're trying to convey. Yeah, it, it, just a decreasing the friction of communication. Emojis exist for a reason. and mm-hmm. uh, they, they can help without a doubt. Exactly. So that was another one that I saw recently that I thought was kind of interesting. So a lot of this has just been us trying to figure out, you know, how do you adapt to this this different world and how do we make the best out of the, the situation everybody's in right now? Mm-hmm, without a doubt. So uh, what's next for you? Where are you uh, spending most of your time? Uh, at this point in time, I'm doing a lot of, since I got spare time, I'm doing a whole lot of blogging right? Um, and working through that type of area. I'm um, getting ready on a, a couple of different conferences. Uh, so one, like I mentioned, MMS uh, coming up physically hopefully, as well as a couple of virtual ones coming up that we've got. Um, so, you know, there's, there's just, and then there's business on you as usual on top of all that. Yeah. Still doing the, the sort of core work. Well, Cameron, I really appreciate you spending some time with me dealing with these particular sets of issues. It's uh, not the usual show, but uh, I do uh, think it's become important. I very much appreciate the invitation. We haven't had a chance to talk in a while. Uh, hopefully it won't take a pandemic next time. Yeah, we hope not. <laughs> All right. Cameron, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for the invite, Richard. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. <laughs> <laughs>